Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Simon Berger on the line. Simon, how are you? Very good, my friend. How are you? I am awesome. Looking forward to this conversation today because you're doing some amazing work. So why don't you share a little bit about you and the work you're doing with the audience and we'll dive into the conversation. Sure. So, um, well, for those who don't know, I'm Simon Bergen. I'm the CEO over at uh, Seros. Um, you can find us at seros.com, C-E-R-O-S.com. And um, I am a 47-year-old Englishman in New York, or actually Connecticut these days, running a... 385-person software company um, that is about 11 years old. We're in the creative space. There you go. And Connecticut's a little more affordable than New York. I know that because I've got a lot of friends that are that part of the country. And yeah, it depends where in Connecticut, in fairness. That's true. Yeah. Because if you're close to transit that gets you quickly to Manhattan or something like that, then yeah, you're going to be paying more. But if you're a little bit out further away, then you afford it. But that's good. So, so what, what, I guess the, the first question that comes to mind is, how does an Englishman end up in New York? Uh, what, what brought you to the States? Yeah, I um, oddly always felt I would live in the States, and I guess at some level I, I, <clears throat> I just felt it. But I, um, I grew up in, uh, in the UK um, and left school at 16 with um, no education. I always thought I was classically uneducated, if such a thing exists, um, and ended up in an agency business. And I can tell you that story if you want. But eventually, at one point, that agency business, uh, I ended up as the joint managing director and eventually the CEO of that business. And we got approached by a private equity firm that was based out of India. We had an, we actually built an Indian offshore team of about 100 people in that agency that we owned ourselves and operated ourselves. Great team of folks out there. Got approached by a private equity firm. They bought the business. I stayed there for nine months. And when I left after about nine or 10 months, that agency to go on, I took um, Seros, which was a software product at the time, not what it is today, but certainly the bones of that business, which was about seven or eight people, um, and was encouraged to go uh, out um, in New York to raise money once I'd taken that business with me and left the old agency behind. Uh, pitched a few folks, met Greycroft, Ian Sigalow over at Greycroft, um, and Alan Patrickoff actually pitched them um, as part of the process of pitching about 10 different VCs. And they gave us a couple of million bucks. And one of the prerequisites was moved to uh, New York. So I did. So it was, it was money. Of course. <laughs> it's always, <laughs> yeah, it's ultimately, ultimately, money and opportunity. Well, uh, yeah. Well, and, and, and also you, you said you know, early on that you, know, you always figured that you would end up being in the U.S. at some point, so you know that that premonition came true. And you know, the, the, I'm guessing when you know, your previous company, when you know the VCs came to you to buy your company, then you already had experience in working with them. So I'm guessing that that helped you in your conversation with Saros and and getting the proper funding for them to you know, move them, obviously, from a seven or eight person team to what it is today. Yeah, I mean, it played a role. I mean, candidly, when I think back to myself in the early days of raising funds for this business, um, I see an incredibly naive um, human being that basically 
didn't really know what they were doing, uh, was making it up as they went along, had a lot of energy and a lot of passion, a lot of drive and a lot of belief in himself and the team around him, but pretty naive in many regards. But arguably, that's probably me today because I'm humble enough to know that I'm still learning and growing and failing. So um, it played a role, but it, it certainly uh, would, would, I wouldn't say um, it, it, it set me up to, for plain sailing when I came over here to raise money, that's for sure. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. And so let's talk about the company and what, what some of the work that it does. And, and obviously, you know, when, when you take it over, you know, back in those early days when it was just a skeleton crew of, you know, seven or eight people to growing it to where it is today, you know, that took a lot of time and effort. And again, that your experience that you had before, I'm sure, you know, paid a, a lot of dividends for that because you knew how to build a company before. Uh, and of course, rising through the ranks like you did. So, uh, you know, walk us through what that experience was like to grow Aceros to what it is today. Sure. Um, well, I'll, I'll say this at a high level. I've said this to somebody recently. Um, entrepreneurship um, and, and um, doing anything of meaning in, in the world and, and, and of substance and, and, and I guess garnering anything that even resembles what would be considered to be success. I always say that it's five times more rewarding than you could ever imagine as someone looking in at entrepreneurs um, doing what it is that they do. Uh, it's probably five times more rewarding than you could imagine, but it's probably 20 times harder than you could imagine. And it will be at times the most torturous and difficult thing that you will ever do. Um, and you will desperately want to stop and you will desperately want to quit and you will feel like every cell in your body is screaming, don't do this anymore. And you will be, you will be tempted by shiny objects um, that will appear in front of you or to the side of you during moments of darkness or doubt, um, career opportunities or quick wins, etc. And it's only a, in my experience, and it's not necessarily true for everybody, but in my experience, it's only those that are smart enough and have all the basic DNA. Sure, there's lots and lots and lots of people like that, but there's this determination and understanding that building a business, and this is an answer to your question, like Saros is where it is today, it is, it takes years and years and years of stamina of failure, doubt, uncertainty, naysayers, and, and, and building Saros has been just like that um, uh, in my experience. We've had huge moments of elation and success. Um, and, we, you know, we continue to feel a little bit like that at the moment. Um, but we've had incredible moments of total despair and doubt. Um, and every single entrepreneur, whether it's Elon Musk or Steve Jobs or anyone in between, um, will have been through the same thing. And I think there's very few that will tell you that starting a company like Saros or like Tesla, um, and getting it to where it is today at any moment in time. No one, no one is likely to say to you, yeah, it was really easy. I had this idea and threw some stuff together, raised some money, and boom, I made an amazing company. It's not like that. No, it's quite messy. And uh, a good colleague of mine, Leanne, who's a really successful family attorney, she posted on her Instagram earlier today, you know, it's saying, you know, grade school, she wanted to be a lawyer. High school, wanted to be a lawyer. Law school, wanted to be a lawyer. Now that she's a lawyer, I just want to be a housewife because building a business is, like you said, you know, 5X you know, rewarding and 20X just absolute torture where there are days going, you know what? 
I just want to go flip burgers. I don't care. I always want to get away. And you go through those moments. I mean, they're rare and you get older, you understand them. I've been saying recently that every... Every chapter of the of my life, but also of the Seros book, and when the Seros book is written, and it will be written, um, every chapter, like my life and probably most people's life, certainly those in the entrepreneur space, the chapter starts with, it was a sunny day. She told me she loved me and I had money in my pocket and everything seemed possible. And that chapter ends with, she slapped me in the face. They told me I wouldn't get the deal and I was broke. And every single chapter of the book either starts that way or it starts in the inverse. It was a dark Monday. I was very depressed. I didn't think we could do it. And I had no money in my pocket. And that one ends with, and then they handed me a check for $100 million. <laughs> it's just, that's the way life is. And it's certainly the way life is when you're doing anything of substance in your life. And the only thing that keeps me going is the narrative and the thread between it, the purpose, the mission, it's that that keeps you going. Otherwise, the shiny objects or the opportunities to jump off and quit are just too tempting and you'll take them. Yeah. It's the, the no pain, no pain mentality kicks in sometimes and you, you forget. And as we've seen so many times, those companies that stuck it through and like, no, this is going to be something. And I, I have a commitment to this, no matter how difficult it is or how dark mm-hmm. this Monday or whatever day is, it's going to break through. And like you said, you know, then all of a sudden you get that investment or you land that client deal or you have that. You launch that product, whatever it is. And every single moment of significance in my life and my career, even in my personal life um, with my beautiful wife and children, um, there's always darkness before the light. It just is always the case. It just is always the case. And uh, you, you really are specifically, what was the journey been like? And the answer is that. Lots of ups and downs with a continuing steady climb to greater impact and more value in the world. Um, and more, you know, I guess more satisfaction for me over time as I've gotten older and the business has gotten bigger and more impactful. But the answer is that really, lots of ups and downs. And anyone that tells you otherwise is lying. <laughs> fact yeah 100 yeah 100 they're lying it, it is definitely a uh, an up and down um the ups are exhilarating the downs are debilitating and it's when you have those periods of lull depending on your mindset you might okay we're about ready to blast off again or uh, maybe that next step is off a cliff i'm not sure which but the key is to take that step Keep and Keep moving. It's a lot easier to pivot when you're moving than if you're just sitting down and not and doing anything. Still. And that's the thing in your organization, obviously, has done that. So where, where do you see things going? And I've, I know we talked about this in the pre-show. I actually want to talk about this first. Is Over the last few years, uh, after the, our, our favorite pandemic has you know, come in, you know, how business obviously grew for you. So what was that journey like? Because you know, I'm sure there was a lot of organizations that really didn't have as much of a digital footprint in the world as they should have, all of a sudden they had to because we weren't allowed to go into their shops or you know go see them face-to-face for a period of time. So how was that like? Yeah, I mean, listen, um, the pandemic as an experience on a human level was clearly very difficult for everybody at some level. I mean, it was a mental toll. Every, every, every part and fabric of life as we knew it was ruptured and confused. Um, so I experienced that. I experienced that as a human. Um, but as a company, 
and oddly, actually, I guess as a, as a CEO and as a human, I do kind of well in chaos. Um, I kind of like it a little bit. Um, you know, I'm probably two parts art, one part science as a human being. And, um, there's something fun about the chaos of, of, of that, of that, right. As, as much as there was incredible suffering and it was, <clears throat> it was very traumatic for everybody, like I say, mentally and physically, and lots of people's lives were, were lost. It was horrible, but the chaos that it created was, was it in, in many ways energizing for me, um, as a human being. Um, you know, I remember turning to my investors at the time. Um, all VCs, no private equity at that point. And I could see them in board meetings flicking through the book, looking for the playbook uh, answer to global pandemic, civil unrest and financial collapse. And there was no chapter. Like, what do we do? At which point they turn to people like me and say, what do you think? And I'm like, well, actually, I have a bunch of ideas because all the rules have gone away. And there is the moment to be creative. Seros is all about creativity, I believe, Creativity is incredibly important. It's why we do what we do at Saros. So it was time to be creative. And I think that combined with the fact that at the moment that, that you know, the chaos was ensuing, everybody we were dealing with uh, reality was that their only presence was their digital presence, right? Your digital presence became your only presence. Obviously, a digital first hyper creative company making moves in uncertain times probably did okay. Um and you combine that with my self and my executive team's transparency and honesty and compassion and vulnerability with the team to say we are in troubled times. It's terrifying. You're all scared. I'm scared. We bonded, started sending a weekly note every Monday called Creativity in Captivity, sent a hundred of those, switched it to video about 18 weeks ago. Um, combine all of that, and we basically had a pretty – um, interesting journey. We bonded. It was probably some of the most, most emotional and connected times with any team in, inside the company I've been running. Um, and and we, we did okay. And I think long-term that makes your company stronger because you had those emotional connections and bonds and you and your senior leadership team and everybody along with the newsletters and the videos and things like that. It showed that you cared that you were acknowledging what was actually happening in the world and in their individual worlds. And we're going to be creative and we're going to come up with some things and we're going to help out as many organizations as we can to navigate through this and, and grow. And I've had several conversations with people that grew their organization during the pandemic because they saw a need and they were able to be agile enough and pivot and be creative to meet those needs. And now as we're coming out of it and, you know, now we're into recession. Now we're heading into, we're, now we're heading into a recession. recession. Just, what the doctor, just what the doctor ordered. Exactly. Okay. Time to play. It's like, okay, well, yeah, you can play, but it's going to cost you uh, three times the amount that it did in 2019. Oh, okay. Well, mm -hmm. yeah. So it, it's again, you know, we thrive in chaos, and it's just a continuation of chaos. And it's it's testing the resiliency of some people. I know that, but at the end of the day, I think myself included, make no oh, bones yeah. about it. You know, yeah, I'm I'm not getting any younger. I'm closer to fifty than I am forty. That's for sure, um, or thirty. Um, but um, you know, I feel it. I feel the the, the pressure of what fight what what what's potentially facing this next twelve months. But I know that what we do is meaningful. What we do in the world. Um, today is impactful and why we do it because we believe that creativity is very important to the world and, and the vision that we have for the impact that we can have, which is 
20 or 30 or 40 or 50 times bigger than we are today um, is worth it. And uh, that, that combined with being surrounded by really good people, almost everyone at Saros has got a big heart and a, you know, a solid people who show them, show them some bad eggs in there somewhere. But for the most part, everybody that's at Saros cares. And you put that together and you're like, yeah, sure, we've got to have some difficult times together because there's bound to be some difficult times in the next 12 to 18 months or beyond. But I'd rather do it with a bunch of people that really care about each other, that are good, trying to do good things for a good reason than, than not. Yeah, and that's why your organization, I, I, I'm pretty confident, is going to not only survive but thrive throughout all of this. And then whatever the world looks like in a year to a year and a half from now, um, I don't even want to try to predict what we're going to have next. But uh, I'm sure whatever we have, uh, you know, we're battle tested. That's for sure. 100%. And it's cute that you use the term survive and thrive because every quarter we, um, we have themes uh, for the company. Uh, and every year we have themes, um, and um, Survive and Thrive was one of the themes from 2020. Yep, that's and it's obvious that your organization has done that and will continue to do that. So, Simon, love this conversation. Where can people find out more about you and this awesome work you're doing? Um, the best place to go is just head over to www.seros.com, C-E-R-O-S.com. There are lots of information there. There's also free products that you can access that we offer to the world um, so head over there and find out more. Awesome. And I'll definitely have that in the show notes. So Simon, thank you again so much for your time today and continued success to you and your team and all that you're doing. Thank you, bud. Enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for listening to the Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.